Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Unsuckable Podcast. I'm your host Manu Fate, and it's just two of us today. Just me and Josh. Josh, how's it going? Have you recovered from the World Cup yet? I have. It's going really well. Uh, it's a shame that Adrian and Filippo can't make it here, but they mm. were very busy throughout the World Cup, so I'm excited. We, we did a little conversation beforehand about our topics for today, and, yeah. I, and I think we got a few good ones. We do have a few good ones, and you know, I'm glad it's over. I don't know how you feel. Um, I spent the last week of the tournament on Hawaii, Josh. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. The moment my countries were all eliminated, I just kind of threw up my hands and said, I'm going to take a week off and then, uh, you know, just watch these semifinals and final um, at five o'clock in the morning <laughs> Honolulu time. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, was the trip lovely? Because I've heard oh, wonderful God. things about Hawaii. First time I've been, and uh, I wish I had stayed. I arrived. Um, you've probably heard about the chaos in Vancouver, right? Oh, yeah. So I arrived like five hours before the snow hit, and I wish Lucky. my flight would have been the day after because that would be still in Honolulu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it, 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 the World Cup was very interesting for several, several different reasons off the pitch. I mean, I, I talked to a few, um, friends that went there um to cover it and they came back and and you know like it, it was a pretty cool tournament because like just what happened on the pitch a lot of really intriguing storylines but a lot of what i heard still of of them coming back is simply just you know it was beautiful it was fun this that and the other thing but what went into it and it was just kind of like they couldn't get over like the build-up to this tournament and everything that they know that happened all the negative and it was just kind of mm -hmm. hard they almost said it was hard to enjoy it because they know exactly what went into it in, in a way but they did say like it, it still was was pretty incredible being there because obviously like they put a ton of money into it and there was some incredible games but it was just very in interesting because obviously I, I mean we weren't in Qatar so to hear fans and and people who cover the sport coming back and saying that it's kind of kind of you know um humanizing I guess in a way mm, yeah 220 billion dollars Josh what that tournament cost cost as much as all the other tournaments combined what's second five billion was that, was that russia, russia russia a little bit more I, than russia, that? I think russia was like 10 um so that's mind-boggling of course you, you, you with russia i guess we ignore that they built an entire city in the caucasus for the olympic games like what uh four years earlier 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, which of course that infrastructure was used for the World Cup too. But yeah, I, I I mean I had so many mixed feelings about it and still do. Um that's I think a story that we kind of want to talk about after we maybe chat a little bit about the final, right? Um, about everything that went on um, on the side of the tournament and the human cost of the tournament was enormous. And I think um, unlike Russia, where the negativity was extremely high before the tournament and then the media sort of got swayed by Putin and the organization of the tournament. And I was in Russia and it was it was incredible, right? Um, but the media completely switched to being positive about the tournament. I feel like that wasn't the case here, Josh. I think that um, maybe because we learned from the Russia experience, um, but I felt like media really stuck with it this time around and kept, despite, I thought the separation was quite good, that A, we still celebrate what happened on the field and the athletes that obviously work really hard to get there. And I think this is where we really need to separate the two things, right? Um the players work really hard to get there and it's a celebration for them, but we still managed to outline the human cost with staging a tournament like that. Yeah. I mean, and you saw it on, on the pitch as well. And I know that, I mean, the German national team got memed for it a little bit, but you know, they, they tried to make a statement in, yeah. in a way a lot of media continued to do it. And I mean, I mentioned a few colleagues and people I've talked to who, who've come back from the tournament, even after witnessing and because, you know, like, I mean, even as a journalist, even as a fan, if you were at that final, if you experienced what I can only imagine is probably the most wild 50 or so minutes that you mm-hmm. probably ever see to still come back and say, yes, it was, it was awesome on the pitch, but it was still very, very apparent what was going on and what went into this world cup. And it was very difficult to separate and make this feeling of this was an over overly successful world cup because there's just those issues. And it's the reason mm-hmm. this will, will, and probably will be the most controversial world cup of all time. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's, I mean, we should always remember it as that. I think Russia's probably up there now too, because like <laughs> it took like what another three years, and uh, the country invaded another country. Yeah, um, yeah. And you know, even during the time of the World Cup there, um, because I was in Brazil when Russia shot down um, the Malaysian airline flight over Ukraine, right? And um, then Russia still hosted the World Cup four years later, and then proceeded to increase the conflict with Ukraine to a full stage invasion. Uh, so I think in retrospect, that World Cup will always be remembered as a very negative mark and Qatar, of course, as well. I think yeah. those are two black marks um, on the history. I mean, they're up there with 1978 when Argentina hosted. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the the difference, I think even, I mean, way back when Argentina hosted to even Russia, but I, I think your point about the media I felt at least, and I think you kind of said it too, I felt very different leading up to this World Cup and during this World Cup and even after this World Cup um, about Qatar than I did Russia. And I know that context of Russia over these last four years have changed a bit, but I just I just felt like the media didn't let the foot off the gas. They always made sure that everyone was aware, despite what mm-hmm. Qatar was trying to do and make everything pretty and happy and whatever. And the quality on the pitch was incredible, but it's like yeah, no it one forgot exactly what happened. And the media, I think, did a very good job at that. Yeah, and I think that's, this is, like, I guess, for us, as we lay the foundation of what we're going to talk about, which is the final, right? Because we did a podcast um, last week um, about anything else. So, you know, we're just laying the, the kind of like the foundation for what we're going to talk about, which is this 
incredible, crazy final, Josh. <laughs> so let's let's put our focus on on the field and the things that happened on the field and the things that athletes on the field did. And I, I really want to put a separator here between that and the host. Uh, we get to talk about the host once we've done talking about the final because the host, of course, managed to somehow make it about themselves afterwards. But um, wow, the script. This was in so many ways an incredible final because of the two main protagonists stepping up. I think this was probably the first time since 1998 that we had two big figures of world football going going toe-to-toe -to -toe with one another, right? When Zidane and um, Ronaldo in 1998, of course, and Ronaldo, of course, a shadow of himself because he was so sick playing that final. Um, so we never, we actually were kind of deprived of it. Um, that wasn't the case here. No, it, it, it wasn't. And the, I think the thing that I also think made this World Cup final so special were all the different narratives going into it. Yeah. The passing of the torch, Messi's final dance, 35 years old, has lost the World Cup final already. Mbappe, obviously, at 18, has, has won one. He's already got 12 World Cup goals. It's his time Incredible. to shine. And they went toe-to-toe, -to -toe, and we kind of talked about this a little bit beforehand, but I know it's it's easy to remember this World Cup because it was 3-3, it was three, three went to a, to a penalty shootout, but those first 80 minutes from France were absolutely atrocious. I think Didier Deschamps just got everything wrong. Yeah. He yanked off Dembele and Olivier Giroud in the 41st minute because they were just playing. And, and I want to give credit as well to um, Scloni here for starting Di Maria because Di Maria was fantastic. Now... I'm assuming, Manuel, and correct me if you think I'm, mm. I'm wrong, but I'm assuming he wasn't fit enough to carry on because as soon as they made that shift and brought on Acuna, considering that Acuna should be playing nowhere else besides left back, but I got it. You know, you're up 2 nothing. Maybe you're getting a little bit nervous, but this is what can happen. Two-goal leads are dangerous. You make you take off probably one of your most impactful players who had a really good match, brought on Acuna to basically not even go past the halfway line. He was almost, no. he was almost useless, and then you just started to invite pressure, and then once an opportunity came, that this game turned around very, very quickly. And I give Argentina credit because once it was 2-2, I'm like, oh, no. Messi's like, this isn't going to end pretty because the momentum completely shifted at that point. Mm. Yeah, I, I thought... I mean, we have to remember, too, the entire French team has been sick, right? Yep. Uh, so the final stages of this tournament. Um, some odds um, some odd sicknesses going around. Uh, I guess that's what happened when you play in climatized stadiums and outside it's like about 35 degrees. Yeah. Um, not not good for you, by the way. Um, so a lot of, of these players, France is riddled with with a cold, I guess. Um, and I think we have to remember that in the context of this game, and because a lot of people complained that France was non-existent at the start of the match, which is true, they weren't. But I think that is really where I think that was the most impressive part is that they kind of yanked themselves out of that, um, despite being physically not there. And I think that was obvious for everyone to see. And they somehow found a grain of energy to play what was probably the most insane 10 minutes I've ever seen play from a team. Um, and you know what, Josh? I, I'm curious what you think about this. But I think if this doesn't go into penalties, but we play until someone scores, I think France wins this game. It, yeah, I mean, the, I was about to, I was about to say that. I wouldn't say I was going to say exactly that, but I was going to say once extra time hit, there's always there's always a narrative around extra time, whether you think it or not. But it's it's almost like 
you don't want to make a mistake. You don't want to put yeah. yourself in a position where the other team is going to score. You might as well just say, okay, you know what? We did what we did. And you see, you see a lot of the time it just drifts off into a penalty shootout. Yeah. That, that was polar opposite. This, this, the most exciting part of this match was extra time. There was, we saw two goals. We saw plenty of chances. Martinez doing everything possible to not win the World Cup. Um, other Martinez making one of the <laughs> probably one of the most historic saves, especially in Argentinian history. But that both both were going for it. I mean, I I think it could have went either way. But I mean, with Martinez's finishing, like Lautaro Martinez's finishing, probably would want to hand yeah. that to France. But uh, I love that. I love the fact that they both wanted to go for it. A lot of I mean, Twitter was erupting when it was going to a penalty shootout, saying we don't want this extra time to end. This isn't how this game should be settled. Yada yada yada. Which mm. is a different story, but. It, there, this game could have easily actually ended in extra time. There could have been goals on both sides. It's just, uh, I, I don't know. I just loved it because, like you said, fr- France got this extra win. They woke up and then they actually started playing. And then Argentina, to their credit, dug themselves out of that mental lapse of conceding two late goals, found a, a way to go up 3 2, lost that again. So, I mean, it was wild. I, I got to say, that 30 minutes was some of the, the funnest football I've seen this entire tournament. I wish they would do what they do in the NHL for playoffs. And like after extra time is played, you just add, keep adding ten minutes until someone scores. Because that's it's a it's an interesting debate because like I, I know with like our, this sport it's a little bit different because I, I mean I, I don't I don't know like if, if there's rules about like you know how long can they really go for you see a lot more cramping mm-hmm. and yada yada but how different of a context would it be knowing that it's goal and goal you know like like instead of sitting back like I talked about and going thirty minutes of just kicking the ball about to try to get to a penalty shootout. If you did play golden ball, you might not play the 30 minutes. You could only, I mean, you wouldn't have in this case, Argentina would have won it right then and there. Yeah. Um, it is different, but I, don't, I almost feel like, and, and I, I say it in hockey too, because like I had, and the world juniors, my one buddy was just like, was livid that it was going to go to, um, well, he was livid that it went to three on three overtime for the world juniors in the summer. And then he was going to be livid. It was going to go to a shoot, shootout. Cause he's like, that's not hockey. I was like, well, they need to figure out a way to end the game quickly. So, yeah. I, mean, I mean, like, does soccer go down 8v8? Like, I don't know, but, like, they they, they, want, they don't want it to continue on, which is why they, they basically put in the shootout. So you, you But get there's also time. kind of legendary how in the NHL playoffs, you sometimes have, like, games go, like, into the morning. I know, that's, I mean, that's true. That's, it's, a, it's a great point as well. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't know the answer or, or the solution, but, I mean, a golden... A golden a golden goal would be interesting too, even if you just added that. Just like you know, mm. if it doesn't if it doesn't happen, then you go to the shootout after thirty minutes. But if you put it in, there's got to be a little bit more because you know you don't have you go for it and it's over. Like it's it's bang. Yeah. You don't you can put bodies forward and not really have to worry about. I don't know. It, it's an interesting topic, but I mean, it, it was a it was an incredible extra time, and that's 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 the feel I want more because a lot of yeah. times, like I mentioned, extra time it just kind of feels like the teams are playing for that shootout. Well, I would just go for. What I would do, I would play like a the normal extra time. And then rather than going into a shootout, I would say, okay, well, you had your chance for 120 minutes to settle this. Next goal wins. That's how yeah. I do it. Yeah. And you know what? I think it wouldn't actually take much longer than a penalty shootout. <laughs> no, I mean, that's fair. Because <laughs> we haven't seen it. We like It's hard to speak about it because... Again, if, I mean, any athlete would know this. Is like if you go in knowing, like, okay, thirty minutes, we got a shootout, or it's golden goal. It, it's yeah. so different. It's why, like, watching three on three, like, like I, mean, I know hockey. I'm just, I'm just comparing hockey because there is that. Because like, even when they play three on three, you got to be careful the bodies you put forward. Because if you don't take that chance, you could get bit the other way. So yeah. it's just it's a mind it's a mind game, and then someone has to win. But 
I mean, it didn't happen in extra time. It did happen in a penalty shootout. And Mando, I don't know how you were thinking when it went there, but I was thinking that Argentina had this in the bag. I, I heard, I think I read a stat that Hugo Lloris has never saved a penalty for France. Um, I looked at some of the kickers that were remaining for mm. France. Martinez, one of the best penalty kicks at stoppers you're going to find. I was convinced as soon as it went to there that Argentina was was going to be the heavy favorites. And it, it seemed like a pretty straightforward shoot. I don't know what your thoughts were going into it. I I wasn't so sure because Argentina has lost penalty shootouts with with Messi um, at the Copa America, right? Against Chile twice? Yeah, twice. Just once? Twice, Not yeah. Twice. Um, so I wasn't so convinced either um, that they would take it there. The thing is, what I thought was interesting is that both countries sent their best shooter first, which, by the way, that's how it's done. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you don't pull a Brazil and wait until your last um, last shooter um, for your best shooter because you might not get there. <laughs> and, and I think in um, in the twenty twelve, I remember this is the first like media frenzy I saw about that. It was the twenty twelve Euros when Ronaldo mm. didn't get a shot because he wants the glory. He wants uh, he wants to go fifth and same as Neymar. I mean Neymar won an Olympics. Do you remember that? And obviously against Germany, he did it that way. Yeah. He took number five. He got the glory. But it's not all right. about that because if you can't get yeah. there, so I mean that's it's the it's the different mindset. You I mean you? I like I agree. I like putting your best shooter first, get off on the front foot, maybe put your second or third. Like I mean, Latara Martinez is a decent penalty taker. He was the one who was fifth mm-hmm. against the Dutch, and uh, he he won it there. But I agree. You 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 want to get off. You want to you want to score. And Messi is taking penalties drastically different than he used to. He was not the best penalty taker, and nope. I mean he did miss one in this tournament. But his new style is a lot more confident. I think he, he does a little bit better of trying to read the keeper to see where he's going to move first and then just tap it home kind of like Neymar-esque. But um, yeah, he was confident. He's, he's went up and, and, uh, and yeah, and the, when you mentioned that Argentina losing the pass, I just, I felt like the biggest X factor was simply Martinez because he's just so good at stopping penalties. And um, I mean, he stopped, he, he stopped one and then true many had a, had a poor miss there, which is, you know, it's tough, tough luck there, but um it was a it was a pretty wild moment, and uh, I feel like the next part of our conversation, man, it was going to be probably the the most intriguing, um, the aftermath. <laughs> the NBA season is heating up, and there is still so many unknowns, like whether the Golden State Warriors will even make the playoffs this year. When I'm looking to get into the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just five dollars pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out right now. Everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same game parlay and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. I actually just won a same game parlay the other day, so if I can do it, you can too. Download the app now and sign up with code TBPN. Place $5 pregame Moneyline bet on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of Tactical Yanks, and it's been great. One reason it's been great to listen to? Because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. 
With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable and they will not budge, trust me. Raycons give you 8 hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycon's everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. Raycon earbuds have three sound profiles so you can have a personalized listening experience, as well as an awareness mode where you can hear the world around you. Whether you're doing the most intense exercise or just sitting around, Raycon earbuds are perfect for you. Go to buyraycon.com slash tbpn today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash tbpn to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash tbpn. Yeah, I mean, there's lots there. Let's talk about the French guys and what they received afterwards. And I thought it was absolutely disgusting, the reports of them being... Jumani and um, Kulumuani who, by the way, played a fantastic tournament. I mean, Eintracht Frankfurt must be just rubbing their hands that they got this guy on a free transfer. And yes, he missed that chance in to put essentially win it in overtime, right? But that's an incredible difficult shot. And he put it exactly where you need to put it. It's just that Martinez was unfortunately also there, right? Yeah. Um, no, was, he hit it smoothly. It just it was, oh, it was incredible. He hit it perfectly. Finish. Like what what are you supposed yeah. to do? I mean, he's probably having nightmares about that his entire rest of his life. Um, and to then be attacked the way these players were, where they had to shut down the Instagram accounts. I mean, that's just, I, I find that is just absolutely disgusting. And anyone suggesting this is a French problem, just stop and think for a moment. It's not. I mean, we had the same issue with England last year, right? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, we could go into this for, for, I mean, I just think you simply, I think there has to be a point in time where I mean, it's it's Twitter's responsibility, it's Instagram's responsibility. Put like a verification of some way. So if someone's gonna go on there and say a disgusting slur, it's directly connected to a person. You know, like yeah. there's got to be some type of risk to doing it instead of these user eight four four says you know these these terrible things. Like it's it's not gonna change. Like you can't. I don't know. Like if user six six seven is never gonna change. He's never no. gonna change. He's always gonna be that disgusting person. And there's plenty of them unless you can put some responsibilities like i don't know that's just one i mean again there's, there's this is a huge huge issue but it's not surprising mm. and it's going to keep happening unless there's well, something i mean we saw the same with all canadian players right yeah um which alfonso davies the amount of abuse he received um including from some journalists who were just not happy with him because he didn't speak to them um and i mean how much of that is due to the color of the player's skin yeah, Mark Anthony K had a couple really poor performances, and he got he got hit pretty badly with some it's horrible, just, horrible remarks. It's it's absolutely terrible, and it has no place in in life, not even just in the sport, but in life. Um, which brings us to the next topic, and I had to mute this tweet, Josh, because, <laughs> and I think many other journalists who also criticized this. I also had to mute their tweets, criticizing a host for the way they handled the awards ceremony. And I understand that the Bisht is an honorable symbol. I understand. And I understand too that um, in many Arab cultures, it is the greatest honor you could give to a player. Do it afterwards. Do it at a function, a gala. Don't do it at the World Cup final. Don't do it at the World Cup final. And I understand Messi enjoyed the moment. He is, after all, owned and paid by the Qataris. 
what is he going to say? No. Me comparing it to <laughs> Fabio, Fabio Cannavaro in Lederhosen after he wins the World Cup in Germany is not racism. It's not. Stop it. It's not racism. That's not the definition of racism. It's not bigotry either. It's not how this works. If you are personally attacked for how Qatar handled the World Cup and the human rights issues and the loss of life, and many of those people were Muslims, by the way, this is not us being racist towards our Arabs. It's us pointing out that the human rights record of the country Qatar that has an Arab population is not good, Josh. It's not good. I mean, yeah, there's I mean, a joke out there. There's a joke out there that for every goal scored, every goal scored at the World Cup final represents a thousand people that have died to build the stadiums. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, so it, if you think that's racism, I'm sorry, but that's it's not racism. It's us being critical. Yeah, and, and I mean, when I read your tweet, I I, mean, I, got, I got a chuckle, but I, I took it more so as just I'm gonna use a couple different words here: awkwardness, pushy, like in terms of doing it, like like it's like, could you imagine? Kenafaro being like, hey, one sec, before you know, you lift this, just step into this later hosen for me. Like, how uncomfortable mm-hmm. does it make you feel? Because it's just awkward and there's no reason to do it. This is the biggest opportunity. It was the biggest moment for Italian football there. It's the biggest one of the biggest yeah. moments for Argentinian football here. Let them enjoy it. And then like you, you talked about um, Pele and the and the sombrero later, and you, and you can mention yeah. that. But it's like it felt too forced. It felt like with the connection between you know the Qataris, PSG. Um, if and I was going to mention this earlier, and I just think it's hilarious. It, it no one, not ever. There's a lot of people who are, are furious about the, the World Cup being in Qatar, yada yada yada. But how much does it make? How much does it sting that this is the dream finale? This is the final they wanted. The two PSG boys, the future, yeah. the the. I mean, the, the present slash. I mean, you, you know, the Messi still could have had a couple of years, but you get what I'm saying. It's the passing of the guard. It's the two PSG players. It, it, it is the dream final. And then on top of it, Messi wins it. And then you have the opportunity when the whole world is looking to just show like, hey, you know, we nailed this tournament. This is exactly what, he, he, I don't know. It just, it felt uncomfortable. And it's the reason you got a spark. So, I mean, it's the reason your tweet got, got pushed. It's because it, it rubbed a lot of people the wrong yeah. way. And it's, it's got every right to do so. I had um, 21,000 likes, I think. And um, it was about... I had to shut it off at some point. I have muted it. If you're still in that thread t- calling me names, remember 20,000 people resonated with it. <laughs> and that should give you pause to think, you know, um, that the majority of the people, like if you were someone in there calling me names, and someone actually found my Instagram account and called me names on that as well. Stop it. I'm not racist. I'm anything but. I'm just critical of the way the tournament was put together and hosted. And that is not racism because let's say the tournament is held in another meaner country, Morocco, for example, the cost would have been very different, Josh. Right. Um, And we think we would have celebrated it all very differently too. And maybe Morocco is going to get the change a chance. I hope Morocco gets a chance. I hope an Arab speaking country or a Muslim country gets the chance to host the tournament and show that it can be done without massive gross violations of human rights but the bottom line is that this tournament was hosted at a country that has gross violations of human rights that's the bottom line and you cannot you cannot paint over that um and they see the other these other comments like people just writing underneath journalists like cry more it's like read the room this was not the moment to hand out the bisht 
You know, you do that afterwards. You do it at a ceremony where you honor you, you know, when dignitaries get honored. And we've seen that in the Arab world quite a bit, you know, when politicians also on arrive and they get, they get given a gum to wear. That's very different. That's a very different moment. The World Cup is about the team having won the World Cup. You want to see the jerseys. And the other thing that I had a really big issue with is why would just Messi get it then, Josh? Because yeah. it's a team sport. Messi is the outstanding player, yes. But as you mentioned, Angel de Maria, you mentioned Martinez, right? These players played a big role in winning the World Cup, but yet only the individual is honored. That's not how the sport works. And if you yeah. haven't understood that, then you have to also understand why there's such a backlash to watch handing that out. Yeah. And the other thing is, of course, it's handed out by the Emir and Infantino. So they, they, they captured and took that moment for themselves. And that's not correct. No, and, and I'm going to, and I just literally thought of this. I, I don't know if this is a tweet or people, someone's probably mentioned it, but it just, another thing that I, on top of all the, you know, the corrupt and horrible things that happened through this World Cup, a, a big issue is sports washing. And yeah. it's almost like when you have enough money, anything is possible. And hear, hear me out for a sec. Has there ever been a World Cup hosted midseason? Have you ever seen no. a World Cup winner like you just mentioned, Messi, rocking a sombrero or rocking another, like something along the same lines. Has it ever been done before? There were so many, I mean, obviously the billions and billions of dollars more, like that. it just all was maybe due to money. Like, I don't know, these conversations had place with PSG, like we mentioned, like if mm. Lloris would have won and held it, would he have got it? I mean, it, yeah. it just, it seems like money talks and that's a big issue as well. And I mean, it's part of the reason so many people lost their lives building these stadiums and it just, it kind of all comes full circle. And it's just like, when you have so much money, you, you feel like you can, you can pay away the negative um, news around it. And it's just, it's difficult to do and media stuck with it. And it's why we're having these conversations, why we're going to continue to have them because mm -hmm. you can't just, you know, you can't just have, I mean, and I know the World Cup final was a, spe was a special moment. It was, it was great to watch, but um, you can't just forget everything else that went into this World Cup just yeah. because it was an incredible final. I, I also love the whataboutism that we've seen um the sombrero <laughs> it was like carlos the example Al you use maybe give some oh. context maybe give some context carlos alberto was handed the trophy in 1970 uh, by the fifa president i think it was joao Havalanche, right um and then they proceeded to run around the stadium and at some point way after the world cup was handed over Someone gave Pele a sombrero. It wasn't at the award ceremony. It wasn't the president of Mexico making that about himself. It was a fan. So here, great example. If a fan had given him that, doing the running around in the stadium, that would have been a beautiful moment. That would have been great, right? But not at the stage, not by a politician. And that's actually a really good example of how it's done. Versus how it's not done. It was organic in Mexico. This was forced. Right? Pre, almost pre-planned. Yeah, of course. It's not organic. And then so many of the greatest moments in football history are organic. The, 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 the picture of Pelé with the sombrero is iconic because it happened out of the moment. It wasn't forced. Right? And I think that is something that a lot of people don't understand. 
um, or don't want to understand because they think that everything that we criticize is right away racism or bigotry. It's not. It's just us pointing out something that isn't right. So talking, speaking of, I guess, organic celebrations. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> Mar- Mar- you know where I'm going with Mar- Martinez? Um, organic or, or pre-planned? Oh, or I was thinking about steaks, but you go <laughs> with Martinez first. <laughs> I mean, what, I mean, right after it was, no, no, it was, it would, that was before Messi, like lifting the world cup, right? Obviously. Yeah. They got the yeah. words before it. Okay. So I'm going to say, I'm, I'm yes. just, yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know. That was, oh, I know where you going with this. He's such, he's such a, he's such a character. I mean, he's been having, you wanted to say break, right? But yeah. character works. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, to have, to have the, the cojones to do Literally. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The the, the, the the that picture when you talked about organic you know, hilarious like the the look that that the gentleman behind him was giving him that picture when he was just holding on to the glove and tongue kind of out I don't know I man it. that was, was some good. of I I wasn't expecting to do it you know because like at the same time you did just win the World Cup you know you're the best keeper at the tournament I, I'm assuming you want I don't know he just didn't give two f's he said I'm no. gonna celebrate how I want I'm gonna make sure that my views are known and I. I, I'm literally speechless. I just needed to bring it up because it's, I mean that felt organic. Yeah, that I don't was know definitely what. organic. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you know, like I mean, like think of the like the Germany um, team trying to send a message, pre-planned. I mean, it was a yeah. good message. It's, it's going to be an, a a pretty popular picture for some people's views. Um, uh, I wish they had won though. What, yeah, I mean it was a bit. Yeah, it was tough. Uh, I saw a nice t- tweet from Fiago who said their mouths were closed, but the goal was open. Um, yeah. But anyways, but I mean, you know, it's like, did he plan it before? But no, it just, it, it didn't seem planned. It seemed like I just grabbed this and I'm just going to celebrate how I feel like it. Mm. Yeah. Fair. You, I did no you problem. hear any I, backlash, Manuel, like about no, the celebration? Or is it mostly just I don't think, it, no, I don't think anyone dares to give any <laughs> backlash to Emilio Martinez. <laughs> I mean, oh, he man. also was carrying around a baby Mbappe all over uh, Buenos Aires um, before they had to shut down the celebrations. <laughs> I think I think, I think he, it was lit on fire. I thought, or maybe of not. Maybe that's a different. I, I saw someone lit. There was an Mbappe. Um, yeah, maybe maybe it was different. Maybe it was just some from fans. But there was an Mbappe like cut out and it got or, or a jersey or something. A cut out wearing a jersey that got lit on fire. So yeah, maybe that wasn't Emiliano Martinez. But yeah, the, the celebrations were intense to say the least. Yeah, it it, it was. Um... <laughs> Did you see the people climbing out of the obelisk? I don't know. Oh man, yeah, it's uh, it was wild, um, really, really wild. So, <laughs> speaking of celebrations, though, before we talk about that, um, Salt Bay making his way to the tournament um, floor onto the field forcing himself into pictures at one point lifting the trophy he's a really close friend to infantino a um somewhat well-known steak restaurateur in the middle east um i hear the steaks are terrible josh but we live in north america we have high standards um has a gold-plated steak did you know that i did not um... yes there's a massive gold-plated steak that you can buy at a salt bay restaurant I'm not gonna lie. I I don't think I ever knew who. I mean, maybe I, I don't want to be. 
I don't think I knew who Saul Bay was. My girlfriend, I told you the story beforehand. My girlfriend oh. took a look and at a, at a video that was going around. He's like, and I saw Saul Bay doing what he was doing. I'm just like, I didn't know who he was. I just, I just, I just didn't. Maybe I just oh, went over my head. But then um, my girlfriend's like, isn't this the guy who's that meme? And then she showed me the original video of him yeah. salting off of his forearm, pretty much. And and I was like, what is this? It's clown so uncomfortable. You should here? see. He did a video with Maradona once, and it's the most uncomfortable video I've ever seen. He, it, I, I mean, I just you look up cringe on Google. This is what it looks like. like That's what it is. The, it's a face of Salt Bay. <laughs> oh my! It was just so hard to watch. Like again, talking about this is Argent. We don't give a rat's ass about Salt Bay. We care about seeing yeah. these players celebrate. And kudos to some. Like I wish he did it to Emiliano um, Martinez. I would have loved to see him get pushed to the ground. Like it was so frustrating. And like he did it with um, the third Martinez. Um, he did it with uh, Romero. He did I mean, him holding on to Messi for two straight minutes before getting a pitcher. Like, oh, I just wish he would have grabbed onto Martinez. I think it would have been so funny to see him get pushed around. But it's just like get like know your place. Like how and now like how, how do you want to be? I don't know. I don't know if it, I don't know. I just it was just so frustrating to watch. It was embarrassing, and he shouldn't have he shouldn't have had access to this. But like you mentioned, yeah. we know why. Infantino's close friend. Uh, you just look them up on their social media, and there's lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of pictures of them together. And Ridiculous. that's how he got onto the field. And I, you know what? Like I tweeted yesterday, you are who you surround yourself with. You wonder who Infantino is as a personality. He is also Salt Bay. And <laughs> you wonder how this World Cup tournament got put together. You look at the people in charge, you look at the people who are on the pitch. That tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, right. and Patino was pretty uh, strong about sticking up, saying that <laughs> this is the best World Cup ever. We're gonna forget yeah, about he just got a little bit quiet about that in yeah. his last well, press conference. He was a little bit more, of course he said it, but it wasn't really enthusiastic. I, no, think, I, I think he understands that we don't buy it anymore. No, and I mean, we talk about sports washing. I'm not, you know, I'm not getting accused, but who knows where the money's lying in between those hands? Uh, yeah, and who's who's meant to say what? And I, I don't know. It just, it was uncomfortable. When I saw Romero there with his kid, and Salt Bay took the World Cup away from him, and then teased the kids, saying, "No, no, no, this is mine." Oh man, I just, anyways, that was I, just... I saw a tweet that like Salt Bay took the World Cup, threw it in a grill, and sautéed it on uh, on both sides for one minute, and then put some salt on it. <laughs> <laughs> Just you know, uh, this is a, yeah. this is a, another, another terrible look on this. this. This moment shouldn't be about Salt Bay. He should be nowhere near those pitchers. Yeah. We should be seeing what we want to see, and that's a lot of these players because that's what it's about, celebrating the World Cup. And I mean, I, I give a little credit to Messi. I mean, I wish he would have rejected the pitcher, but Messi wanted no part. Like, we talk about cringe. I mean, Mar like Martinez and Romero, I mean, they were smiling. They were playing along. They were being polite. Messi wanted no part of that. You yeah. can tell. Like, he's like, get off of me, man. Like, don't make me... You know, don't make me do something I'm going to regret. Well, Messi's really um, careful about his image rights. And I think he understood very quickly what this was about. And this was about Salt Bay promoting his restaurants. Um, and like, essentially, you will see all these pictures and probably various advertisements and all over his restaurants, right? Um, and he didn't want to have part of free advertising. Yeah which is good for him. Um, his image rights are worth a lot of money. <laughs> and that's essentially what happened there. And he identified that really quickly. So good for him um, to, to see what this was really about. Um, 
yeah, I thought it was unnecessary. It was gringy. It was a very good image to end what happened in Qatar. <laughs> it yeah. summed it up. It summed it up so well. Everything that happened at that award ceremony kind of summed it up. It was when if it is the picture of <laughs> Martinez with the trophy, um, the the bisht, the the Salt Bay. It's all it somehow all puts together a really good picture of what this was about. And it's not great. And we're kissing it goodbye, Manuel. We're kissing it goodbye. Um, and we don't have to deal with a World Cup for, what, three years? Till it's in three our backyard. Years. Yeah, it comes to our backyard. Um, by the way, hosted by another country that has a traveling history. <laughs> and I've seen a lot of whataboutisms about it. And, you know, the US, of course, um, has a lot of issues. Canada's issues, Mexico's issues. But um, we're also allowed to say what we want to say in this part of the world. We earn decent amount of money. There is, um, there is, I guess there is slave labor does exist, but not like this. There's safety standards when you build stadiums. Um, so please spare me the whataboutism. Just spare it. Spare it to me. And when, when the tournament rolls around and whoever is president in the United States, I'm pretty sure we'll have our... We'll, we'll, we'll produce our fair share of criticism, Josh, as we should. Yep. yep. Um, but no, don't. Don't go there. It's it's whataboutism. And um, every tournament stands on its own. And the last two were pretty embarrassing. They were. Um, the next big big major tournament coming up is going to be in your, your home country backyard. And there's, yeah. a, there's a player that... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about this topic, but there's a player that might not be there. Yeah. <laughs> Manuel Neuer, because yeah. he decided to go uh, ski hiking, <laughs> not skiing, ski hiking, ski hiking, uh, ski hiking. Um, yeah, who knows what exactly happened? Bill lovingly uh, tried to recreate it the moment where they had to send a guy up to, to hike up the mountain where it happened. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> um, but. You know, I dissected that last week in great detail with Stefan Bianchowski on the Game Pressing Podcast. So if you want to hear about that, go back to it. I think what's interesting for this is, um, and you and I talked a little bit ahead of the show, is Manuel Neuer going to play at the Euros? I think that's very doubtful. Um, and I think the other question is, who's going to replace him at Bayern Munich? And I think that's pretty interesting because they, they do have a good goalkeeper in Monaco, who they are trying to get back. But Monaco is A, making this difficult, and B, Nübel is not liking the situation either. But, you know, before we go into all of these details, and I, I think you want to probably uh, ask some holes, uh, <laughs> um, what do you think of all of this? I mean, it's it's a shame because, I mean, I mean, I know, like we, I talked about this before, a little beforehand, but we, we think so highly of Manuel Neuer because I just think he he was a revelation in, in terms of the style of being a keeper, being a keeper sweeper. And, and he's so mm. important, a lot more important to Bayern than it may look like on the surface. And he's a very difficult player to replace, but I mean, and this is why I, it'd be nice. Cause I'll ask you some of the questions. Cause you have more of the inside scoop, yeah. but when Nubel came here, he was deemed to be the next Neuer and they were very careful um, mm. with how they were going to put him in, but they wanted to make sure that he got game time and he wanted game time. And he went to Monaco and he's, it had a bit of a rough start, but I think he's really kind of found himself. And now the fact that 
it doesn't look like Neuer. I mean, Neuer's not coming back this season, if ever. And those are some serious yeah. question marks. And I've been seeing rumors, and it's lovely having Manuel here because he has more of an inside track. But rumors that one, he's not ever, ever going to come back, or there's a big possibility he couldn't. Two, yeah. that they want to find a long term replacement. And to me, just from the outside looking in, it's Nubel. I mean, you have him. You just recall him from his loan. Um, what well, adjust is not that easy. Exactly. And that's what we're, maybe we're, we're here to explain a little bit why. Because, like, again, from the outside looking in, that seemed like the obvious answer, right? Yeah, like, you have a talented is. keeper out on loan, 26 year old, hit, hits the future. He's German. Um, you bought him to be the Neuer replacement. Here's your opportunity. Manuel, what's going on? Well, so first of all, we don't know if Neuer is going to come back or not, right? He has a history. He broke his metastasal twice. Um, he came back the second time, and that was took him over a year, um, which because it's, it's a very complicated injury. It's a, it was a green fracture, which is um, not nice. You look it up um, at a part of the body that's very hard to operate. So, and a part of the body that likes to break easily uh, for big guys like myself. I'm I'm the same height and weight as Manuel Neuer, so I know what he's going through. Uh, injuries are a little bit more difficult to overcome because we carry a lot of weight, right? And when you are a goalkeeper of that size, you have to carry that weight at a really fast speed, sideways to sideways. And um, there's some neural parts in your body that have to carry that weight um, at a very, you know, very quickly. Um, And so he came back from that, which was very touch and go um and he's really only one metastatal in- injury away from his career being over anyways right because the third one would be game over um this is also complicated because he broke his leg and they had to put in two screws um to keep the bone together and you know it needs to heal and the earliest expectations for him to, to work with a ball that doesn't mean uh work hard um you know to to actually uh, work with a ball just to to get a hand on the ball will be august right um but people have to remember it takes about the same amount of time that you were out for goalkeeper to, to come back to the level that you were at we started with Neuer, right like the one year he was out it took him another year to get regain the level that he was at before and on top of that he wasn't at his best this year either right so we're already dealing with a keeper who isn't who's already declining um, and showed obvious signs of decline this year and now has this really big injury. And I talked to someone who said, okay, well, it's always athletes. Athletes are a different breed, but this is a, there's a good chance he's not coming back from this, Josh. So I guess then why is Nubel not the obvious answer? And if so, we talked about another, another rumor, Jan Sommer, incredible keeper. Right. I, I, I think of him very highly over his Pretty impressive career with Bruce and Mönchengladbach in the Bundesliga. 34 years old, though, doesn't really answer the question that is I've been saying. Is he already 34? Well. I thought he was 33. Is he already 34? I think I'll do a quick Google search. I'm pretty sure he's 34, but um, like I mean, he, either way, 33, 34, it's not the... Yeah. He, he is 34. Oh, yeah, he is. Um, you're right. But it's not the long-term solution you're really looking for as opposed mm-hmm. to a 26-year-old Nubel who's already in your ranks. So I guess, Manuel, uh, if you want to theorize uh, why won't no, why could Nubel not work and then what... Where do you, who do you think is going to be the keeper, I guess, for Bayern for the remainder of the season? Well, yeah, I mean, also, I just want he is he is 34, you're right. He was 33 when I wrote my first article on this because he just turned 34, uh, December 17th. So happy birthday, Jan. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I talked to someone too who thinks that summer is just easier to get. Um, 
which is why they're, they're pushing for this. Um, that doesn't mean that the Nubel story is true, right? Um, the the contact, there's some pretty deep contact right now between Bayern Munich and Monaco as they're trying to hush something out. They still need to talk to, to Nubel as well uh, and give him, I guess, some sort of plan on how they're going to proceed. But um, I think the they, Jan Sommer is a, is a good option for them because he might be easy to get. Jan Sommer's contract expires in the summer. Uh, he's been linked to Inter Milan and Manchester United. And um, he is likely to go and to leave Gladbach anyways. And this might be a good way for Gladbach to get a few millions out of it, right? Um, they have a young keeper up and coming, Olchowski, uh, who um, is a young, very talented young German keeper whose contract is also expiring at the end of the year. But, you know, he's like a ready-made replacement who could come in and uh, take over the mantle of Jan Sommer. Um so I think this name is hot for Bayern because it's an easy get, Josh. Um, but and I guess and the the issue here is he's 34 now, as we just established. And is he going to provide them with a long-term solution? I would say no. I think the long-term solution is currently playing in Monaco. And his name is Alexander Nübel. And he was the goalkeeper of the future. He was the goalkeeper who was supposed to come in and replace Manuel Neuer. And I think this really comes down to them making a fundamental decision here to say, okay, we're bringing you back. Um, you are going to be the number one. And when Neuer comes back, or if Neuer comes back, let's say if, because we don't know, right? If Neuer comes back, there will be an open competition for the number one position. And I think that is the first stumbling stone right here, Josh. Yeah, I mean, Nubel, every... every, every um article i've ever read on him i mean he he wants to play and oh I mean, yeah and rightfully so he's, he's a yeah. good young keeper but when you're competing with Neuer, it obviously made it very very difficult which is mm. why he spent now a year and a half on loan at monaco um but i mean i just feel if you're nubel though and again i, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes because it could obviously be something to do there but if you're nubel yeah. you're gonna leave monaco i mean let's be honest monaco is is a good team it's a team that should be competing for the champions league but in liga you're not gonna probably win anything unless you can get like a cup victory maybe europa league type win but you could go back to your to germany to where you wanted to be to the club you signed for and you know that manuel neuer is at least out for probably like probably over like the rest of this season and, and like you said we don't know how he's going to be getting back to full fitness mm-hmm. at the start the start of next if he's going to even return i think it's just there's a lot of upside to going back to Bayern. you're going yeah. to be a winner you're going to start you got the champions league run you're going to have to they're going to put a lot of faith in you it just that's why it just seems to be in your 26 so they're like okay the goalkeeping position done we don't need to worry about where if you go out for Jan Sommer excellent keeper I think you do a, a great job over a year or two maybe at uh, Bayern but then you're right back to where you need to be and what's going to happen to Nubel in that time his loan mm-hmm. loan comes to an end, end of this season if Sommer's there are you uh, I don't know it just and then you still have Manuel Neuer with the unknown there so it's just it's a very difficult position just from the outside looking in I just feel like still the obvious one hopefully for all parties is to bring Nubel back and give him give him the ropes and see what happens if Neuer comes back like you said, open competition, back yourself, because we don't know what Neuer is going to look like when he comes back, or yeah. Neuer's done, and guess what? You've done a good job locking down that number one spot. It's yours. I mean, and that was always the intention when they first signed Nubel, right? He was supposed to be Neuer's long-term replacement. Um, it's interesting, too, the stuff that's coming out now, because Alexander Nubel apparently has a difficult relationship with uh, Tony Tapalovic. Tony Tapalovic is the goalkeeper coach um, of Bayern Munich and a very close friend of Manuel Neuer, the two spent a lot of time together um, 
outside the pitch as well, um, off work. They went to holiday in Croatia, um, for example, right, where Tony Topalovic is from. So a difficult relationship um, between Nubel and Topalovic, of course, means that, that this is going to be maybe... There, there has been some suggestion, and I, I said this to you before the show, right? We have this German game called uh, Whisper Post. Um, we call it telephone in English. Where you know you say something in one ear and then the person says it into another ear and the meaning of it changes. The problem is no one. The, the main protagonists are not talking. It's the agent. It's Nubel's agent and it's Tabalovic sort of talking, right? And they're talking through what they've heard from other people, and um, so we don't actually know what's what here. It's very, you know, he said, he said kind of thing going on here. And the problem with that, of course, is that. The picture that's been painted is that Nubel is not coming back as long as Topalovic is there, which is odd because Topalovic and Neuer were apparently the people that recommended to the Bayern board to sign Nubel from Schalke, right? Um, at least that's what that camp is claiming. So I, I, at some point, Topalovic has said, maybe Nubel just needs to call me and we need to talk it out. And that's probably a pretty good course of action, I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, open dialogue is always important. It just it seems like the obvious answer. You have to hope that both parties come together, talk, and, and figure out a solution, yeah. um, especially because this is the long-term solution. is 26-year-old versus a soon-to-be 37-year-old. So yeah, hopefully they can figure out a way to do it because I, I personally think that Nubel's the correct answer. And the nice thing is that, Byron, you already own him. Yeah, you, you bring back the keeper you have. <laughs> I mean, if it doesn't work out over the next two years, you might have to do something else, but... Maybe go for the obvious solution first. Um, that's at least what I would be, uh, what I would be doing. Um, but I think Josh, that's pretty much a wrap um, on this show. Unless there's something else you want to add, um, I think we covered everything. Yeah, no, just the, the the most controversial World Cup. We're one of them, one of them for, mm. for a reason. Um, incredible end. Big congratulations to Argentina. Uh, yeah. Messi it was it was cool to see despite you know everything that's going on it it was pretty cool you could just tell Messi keeps his emotions intact but I mean he's the fact that he's posted like six Instagram pictures with the World Cup he's as happy as he's ever going to be uh, but now we move on uh, hopefully the next World Cup can have a have a, a, sh- a better light on it and uh and there's a lot to look forward to in, in, including the return to club football which uh oh, I'm, I am pretty I can't excited wait. for can't wait club football is back soon real football um yeah and i think it's also you know we want to separate what with the stuff that has happened off the field with what's happened on the field and messi winning the world cup congratulations argentina i think it's the fitting end to what is probably a massive career we'll see you soon in mls leo um (laughs) had to be done um but yeah want to say everyone thank you for listening all this year um happy holidays whatever you celebrate and a happy new year and we'll be back next year i think both josh and i and the other guys are pretty busy over the over the the holidays so i think josh this is it until the new year right yeah i'm pretty sure yeah okay well until then cheers and bye-bye